Welcome to episode number 228. In today's episode, we're going to be diving into what the actual type of seeds mean when you are choosing to purchase them at the store or online. And some of my favorite places that I have ordered my seeds from. This is actually a question I get asked quite a bit. So I thought it would be a great time to dive into this as many of us are doing our planning out of our garden and ordering our seeds and figuring out what we're seed starting and just making sure we've got all of our supplies ready for the coming gardening seasons and year. And if you are signed up and doing my free five-day best garden planning challenge, then you already have a lot of this done. And if you didn't sign up, it is not too late, my friend. Go on over to melissaknorris.com forward slash my best garden and get all of the freebies and worksheets and videos so that you have your absolute best garden plan in place for this year. Oh, I got so excited. I forgot to introduce myself. So you're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast with me, your host, Melissa K. Norris, best-selling author of three books, including my brand new book, The Family Garden Plan, Grow a Year's Worth of Sustainable and Healthy Food for Your Family, as well as the founder of the Pioneering Today Academy and MelissaKNorris.com, where I have the Pioneering Today blog. Basically. We are all about homegrown and homemade and helping others use modern homesteading and those traditional skill sets to raise, grow, cook, and preserve your own natural and organic food, no matter where you live. So today's topic is one where I see actually a lot of confusion and mis- just wrong. It's just wrong. I don't know how to say it in any nicer way, but a lot of confusion on what hybrid seeds, heirloom seeds, and genetically modified seeds mean. There's a lot of people that just don't quite have that correct. And I see it a lot um, online. And so I just kind of wanted to address this so that you know, and if you're listening to this and if you listen to any of my pod- past podcasts, or if you're in my academy, my seed saving course, then you're already very familiar with this. But for those who are newer to gardening or even newer to some of these terms, you might not know. So I want to just break this down. And I'm actually going to be reading some of this from my new book, The Family Garden Plan. But there's basically three types of seeds, you guys. So the first is, I'll just be honest, it's my favorite, and it's heirloom seeds, which is not a big surprise. So heirloom seeds are open pollinated seeds from varieties that have been handed down for generations. When they are planted, they're going to produce the same plant with the same characteristics of the parent plant that you saved them from. Now, this is provided that you did your seed saving correctly when it comes to plants that will cross-pollinate and or are self-pollinated. Because even if you're using an heirloom open-pollinated seed, if it's from a plant that cross-pollinates, so your squash are an excellent example of this, many of your winter squash and summer squash varieties will cross-pollinate with one another. So if you haven't done hand pollinating or used seed netting 
different things like that to keep them pure as far as seed saving goes, then you will still get crosses because they've crossed. They don't necessarily come come exactly back to the parent plant. So provided, I know that probably got a little bit confusing, provided that you are using proper seed saving techniques when it comes to cross pollinating plants and you started with an heirloom seed, they will come back as the same characteristics of the parent plant. Now, hybrid seeds, and in the context of of talking about hybrid seeds here, we're talking about hybrid seeds that you are purchasing in the store. So F1, so it's a a first-generation hybrid. So these seeds are created by companies or scientists in a lab, and the hybrid seeds that I'm talking about right now, not natural cross-pollination that happens within heirloom varieties as I was just talking about, but hybrid seeds, this was about the 1940s when you actually had large seed companies that started creating their own strains of hybrid things. But it's still two varieties of a tomato plant they have put together in a lab to create a different tomato plant. OK, but it's done in a lab. It's not just done with natural cross pollination like we would have with an heirloom plant. So I, I want to make sure we're making that distinction But your hybrid seeds are created by companies or scientists in a lab that combines two varieties of the same plant, where they will usually pick the best characteristics from each variety to create a plant. Maybe one is more disease resistant. Maybe one offers a higher yield, etc. So when you go to the store shelves or the online companies where you are ordering your garden seed, you are only going to have available to you to pick heirloom or hybrid seeds. Now, there is nothing wrong with hybrid seeds. So if you're growing hybrid seeds and you have no interest in heirloom seeds and seed saving, that's just fine. I don't I don't want people to feel shamed because they're using a hybrid seed. Now, personally, we do do seed saving. I don't always seed save every year, but I do a complete heirloom garden because I want to make sure that I'm supporting companies and supporting heirloom seeds because there's varieties that will be completely wiped out and have almost been lost in a short period of time, less than 100 years since we've had hybrid seeds. So personally, I do an all heirloom garden because that way, if I do want to seed save from those, if I decide, huh, yeah, I do want to seed save this particular crop this year, uh, then I have that option to me. But if I have put in hybrid plants, I don't really have that option. Or I'm not going to have, I should say, nearly the success I'm going to have if I had used heirloom seeds to begin with. And then I also believe that heirloom varieties, I feel like they have better flavor and there is a whole lot more varieties. And I get super excited about all the stories and the different varieties and the different colors and just, oh my goodness, you guys, so many different unique things you'll never ever see on the grocery store shelf. You're not, you will never see within hybrid varieties that you're going to come across with heirloom varieties. So I know I'm very biased towards heirloom, if you can't tell, but I'm up front and center about it. So the next type of seed that we have, and this is where the confusion comes in, where people think that genetically modified seeds and hybrid seeds are the same thing and have been going on for hundreds of years. And no, 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 they haven't. I'm sorry, but it's not the same. They haven't. So let's dive into GMOs just a little bit, okay? So genetically modified seeds, by the way, are not for sale at your grocery store or from regular seed companies. Now, I'm going to talk about you can have seeds that you're purchasing that can be 
have tested and have some genetically modified stuff in them, but they're not technically genetically modified seeds. When you're purchasing genetically modified seeds, you are a farmer. You're usually big agriculture and you have to have certificates that you have purchased their seed. It's a whole different thing. So I just want to preface that to say you're not getting it at the grocery store. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more, though, about how there's contamination with some of the crops and the seed you are getting at the grocery store because of GMOs. So genetically modified seeds are seeds that are created in a lab by splicing or combining different organisms, which can be viruses, bacteria, animal DNA, to create a patented plant. For example, Monsanto created a GMO corn that has genetic material from bacteria. And I'm probably going to mispronounce this pronunciation on this, but Bacillus thuringiensis or thuringiensis. I don't actually know how you say that one, but that's the bacteria to produce an endotoxin. They also have GMO corn that is Roundup resistant, and it means the crops can be sprayed with the herbicide Roundup and the plant won't die due to gene altering. Over 90% of domestic corn in the U.S. is genetically modified. Now, that was at the time I was doing the research for the family garden plan, and it was published. And I have references for both of those, both the... GMO corn with the genetic material from bacteria, as well as the Roundup and the 90% of domestic corn being genetically modified. I will pop those in the written blog post notes that go with each episode. So if you want to dive into that part further and read those studies for yourself, then you can get all of that, everything we're going to be talking about and covering in today's episode at melissaknorris.com forward slash 228, because this is episode number 228. Okay, so back to the GMO part. You can't buy it in the store, but there's that cross-contamination issue. So the most popular GMO crops at the time that I was writing and researching the book, as well as putting out this episode for you, are alfalfa, apples. Yes, unfortunately, they approved a genetically modified apple, canola, corn, cotton, papaya, soybeans, summer squash, and sugar beets. So while you aren't going to find those GMO seeds for sale on your regular grocery store shelves, if you're purchasing that produce, that's something or something from the store that has those ingredients in it, you are definitely going to want to do some research to find out if it was sourced from a genetically modified, if it has the non-GMO label on it, then that's what I look for personally. If I'm getting anything that falls in that certified organic, isn't as tested as often or as stringently as the non-GMO label, in my understanding. But when they do test for it, if it does show GMO, then you can't have that in your organic certification. But the reason that I bring this up and that I'm going to stress on deciding to purchase why we purchase heirloom, especially to make sure that we're trying to stay away or purchasing from companies that do testing for cross-contamination and on GMO is the way that crops pollinate, especially when you have big agriculture, which is planting these GMO crops, and you've got these huge fields, well, corn, especially in the right conditions, can cross-pollinate up to two miles. Now, that means that you know the land is flat, the wind is just right. There's a lot of things that come into play for that, but up to two miles, it can cross-pollinate. So when you have fields of large fields of GMO corn, 
that's why over 90%, I said, domestic corn is genetically modified in the U.S. It cross-pollinates. It's not discerning on which field is GMO and which one isn't. It's going to cross-pollinate. And that's going to happen with those other crops like your summer squash, because summer squash cross-pollinates with all kinds of different summer squash, actually. And so as the years go by, where we've had more genetically modified crops in our large agriculture, it is making its way into our backyard seeds or our backyard gardens and the sources that are growing our seed that is not being sold, like I said, to big farmers and big agriculture, but it's being sold that you and I are going and buying on the store shelf. So it's not that seed itself is not being created in a lab and it's not GMO certified seed from Monsanto, who is one of the, the largest people that um, or companies, I should say, that make genetically modified crops. But you're going to find cross contamination within some of those crops. So I hope that you didn't mind my brief, um, I'm not sure if history lesson is quite the right word there, but just kind of the delve into what those differences mean when it comes to the seeds that you and I are purchasing for our backyard gardens and what some of those terms actually mean. Because I have run into quite a bit of confusion over people thinking that GMO seeds are the same as hybrid seeds when they're absolutely not because they're injecting foreign matter into those seeds that has that is not even plant matter it's bacteria it's viruses it's dna it's all these different things that in no way could ever happen with cross-pollination and crossing within a same species which is what hybrid seeds are okay so we have that part covered (laughs) so thank you for bearing with me if you're already familiar with that and if you weren't really sure or didn't know i hope that you learned something new now obviously i said i'm an heirloom girl but where do we get our heirloom seeds like where's some of the best places to get your seeds so personally we have been seed saving in my family which if you've been listening to me any amount of time or following me on website youtube or reading any of my books you know that my family's been seed saving our own strains of green beans and a shelled bean two types of beans for over five generations over a hundred years so obviously i'm not buying bean seed anywhere because we're always seed saving every single year, our own strain. And I now seed save a lot more crops, but I had to purchase those seeds originally from other sources because those were the only two seeds my family was doing. So when I first really started to get into heirloom seeds and understanding the difference and seed saving on a much deeper level and really putting it into practice on our homestead and in our garden, which has been, oh my goodness, you guys, it's been over a decade. It's been 10 years now since we moved to an all heirloom seed garden, which is actually really cool. I can't believe it's been that long. But anyhow, so one of the first places that I started getting seeds from was Baker Creek Heirloom Seeds, which if you you probably are familiar with them. They're kind of like the showcase of heirloom seeds, I feel like, in the gardening world. They've done a really good job of collecting cool varieties, educating people, Um, They have a beautiful farm that you can actually go and visit and buy seeds and see them in production. And they have a really cool seed book um, magazine type catalog that you can order online. And they've got a great website that you can go and check out. So I'm not sponsored by them and I'm not an affiliate of theirs. I just have ordered things from them and I love perusing through their catalog and I love ordering. uh, I get new fun varieties and test them out from there. So Uh, That was the first place that I started ordering my heirloom seeds from. And 
again, I'll have links to the different places I'm going to be sharing with you here in today's show notes. So you can quickly just go in there and, and link and or click the links, obviously, and go and check out all these places. So that was one of the first places. And I still do order um, some different varieties and fun new things from them every year because I just think that they do a good job and they sucker me in. And I'm like, oh, yes, I do need to try that beautiful purple atomic tomato plant this year. <laughs> and I love the stories. They do a good job of including the stories of where the different heirloom varieties have been rediscovered or where they were from in the history. And I geek out about that stuff. So some other great sources, though, is seedsavers.org. So they've done a really good job. You can also order from them. They have a seed vault where they keep so that we don't lose some of these precious and really rare different varieties. And then they also sell varieties and they do a good job on education as well with seed saving and heirloom seeds. So seedsavers.org is another really great resource. Another option is Seeds for Generations. Now, Jason and his family, I actually have gotten to know pretty well. And it's pretty awesome. Him and his wife and their kids. And he actually, you guys, how cool is this? How sweet is this? I love this. His kids, he actually pays them. They help pack the orders. So when you order from them, it's a small, it's a family. Um, and the kids actually get paid so much per envelope when they are packing the orders so that they can stay on top of it. And it's a family endeavor, teaching them skills and everything like that. And so I love it. So Jason was actually telling me that he pays the kids so much per order that they help pack. So I think it's super cute. I love that he's teaching them those skills and kind of that entrepreneurial spirit and their whole family is involved. But they have heirloom seeds as well. And I am an affiliate for them. So if you use my link, thank you so much. I do earn a small commission off of that. So I appreciate that. But I really do like to support a very small family operation. Um, and so Seeds for Generations is another great heirloom seed source. I've gotten seeds from them. I've got quite a few of my herb seeds have actually come from them as well. And they've got some good resources for planning and stuff on their website too. So those are the main ones that I personally have ordered from, know, and all of that. And I know that there's a lot more out there. There's a lot more amazing heirloom uh, seed companies that are starting out or just small families who are just like me. They're passionate. They love heirloom seeds. They don't want to see them disappear. They want to make sure that we've got these varieties available and educating people, all of that. So if you've got some really great resources for heirloom seeds, please let me know because I would love to add to the blog post that goes with this episode and to have more resources to give people and just more options. And I do love to support, um, like I said, these companies and or families uh, that are just as passionate as you and I are about making sure that these resources and these seeds and these varieties are here for years and years and years to come. And when it comes to picking the absolute best varieties of seeds for your family's need, your growing climate, you want to make sure that you are signed up for the free five-day best garden planning challenge that I'm doing because I'm going to be sending you resources, worksheets, and charts, not only to help you plan your best garden and knowing what does all of this different stuff mean, but how much. And so you will get my worksheet on how much per plant. And if you go through the planning, then you're going to know which plants you're going to be putting in for your climate, but specifically how much you need to plant. Therefore, how many seeds does one need in order to feed your family that crop for an entire year? All of it for free, you guys. 
And it's also what I cover in a lot more depth inside my new book, The Family Garden Plan. But I would love to have you join me for all of these freebies and our garden planning challenge. So you can go to moskinoris.com forward slash my best garden to get access to all of those freebies and charts and that five free video series that I've got done for you. Okay, we're on to one of my favorite parts and actually one of your favorite parts. I get some of the most of my emails and even reviews, a lot of them will come in that mention this is your favorite part of the podcast, which I love, and it's the verse of the week. So this week's verse of the week, we are in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14, and this is the Amplified Translation of the Bible. And we are setting these truths forth in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit combining and interpreting spiritual truths with spiritual language to those who possess the Holy Spirit. But the natural non-spiritual man does not accept or welcome or admit into his heart the gifts and teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are folly, meaningless nonsense to him, and he is incapable of knowing them, of progressively recognizing understanding and becoming better acquainted with them because they are spiritually discerned and estimated and appreciated. Oftentimes you'll hear people say like, listen to your gut or listen to your intuition or boy, that was such a weird coincidence or kind of terminology like that. And as a Christian, I don't think there is anything as coincidence. And I don't think your gut's actually talking to you. I understand what people are saying when they mean those terms. And I'm sure I've said them before, too. But I think that really, when you get that feeling that people will say, for lack of of a better term, or just maybe not understanding, because maybe they aren't a Christian, or they don't understand the Holy Spirit, or feel like they know him personally enough to identify it yet. I think that when you feel those feelings, that oftentimes that is the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes we can have something that we are like, man, this just this feels right. Or, yeah, this is the the thing that I should do. And you kind of think you're listening to your gut or moving on your intuition. But you're really not. And it wasn't the best thing. So personally, for me, when I have a feeling just a sensing like deep within your person, and I know you know what I'm talking about, you've gotten it before. But when I start to feel that way, that is when I'm like, hold up, sister, we need to pay attention to this. And I don't immediately act on it. I take some time and I start to pray about it, turn to scripture, look up some scriptures, but really take some time to think about it and to pray about it and to seek the Lord to make sure, one, that it is from the Holy Spirit and that it is from him. And then I make that move or make that decision, whatever it may be. And I feel like in this day and age, there are a lot of people who are not believers. So they don't believe the Bible. Uh, They're not saved. They don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'm not getting political here because I refuse to go there. (laughs) I just I because I don't think that it matters. I don't think that because you're one party or another that that means you're a Christian or you're not. 
but I think we see a lot in this day and age and probably because we do have social media and we do have the wonderful, there's wonderful things that modern technology brings us. For instance, you and I getting to connect and to share knowledge and to learn and inspiration about homesteading and gardening right on a podcast. How cool is that? It really is amazing. But on the other hand, we have more widespread and I think we see a lot more of society than we ever have before. And it can be good or bad. I choose to focus on the good parts. I hope you do too. But we can see ideas being passed around or pushed or encouraged that I as a Christian and knowing what God's word says I honestly wonder, like, how does somebody truthfully, not as an accusation towards them and not as a judgment, but really, how do they think that that's okay? How do they think that that's right? Like, I really, I don't understand because they genuinely do think that it is. And I genuinely think that it doesn't because I'm holding it to what God's word says. And it can be hard, you guys. It can be very hard. and. What I've come to realize is it's because they don't have the Holy Spirit. And God's word is pretty clear that what's wrong will be right in the end times in the eyes of society and humankind. And I'm not saying that we're in the end times or we're not because there are signs that the Bible lists out and we can use our own judgment, but only God himself knows the last day before the Lord returns. But I have to remember that if they don't know God and have the Holy Spirit, then this verse, verse 14, is saying that they are incapable of knowing the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that I wash my hands or think that I'm better than them or anything like that. Absolutely not. But it reminds me to want to pray for them to pray that their heart would be softened and not hardened and that they would come to know the Lord before he comes back or before they pass away. And it's also a reminder to me, and maybe you need to hear this too, maybe you don't. I hope I'm not ruffling any feathers. Please know that's not my heart and that's not my intention at all. But it's a reminder to me that I will have the Holy Spirit and that he will help me walk through the path to be more spiritually discerned And that he would give me greater wisdom on spiritual truths and interpreting them through God's word, through the Holy Bible. And so I hope that for you, too. I hope that we all have a greater gift of discernment from the Lord and from the Holy Spirit and more of him actively in our lives and directing our words and directing our thoughts and therefore our actions and the way that we show him to the world and show his love. So I'm going to end us on that note. (laughs) And I'm just thank you so much if you're still listening to this. Thank you for being a part of this awesome community. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I so appreciate you. And I will be back on here with you next week. And if you signed up for the video challenge, then I will see you inside those videos. Okay, we'll say goodbye for now, but we'll talk again soon. Mm -hmm.